This is the Dr. Chad Podcast. Biohack your testosterone. More sex drive. More energy. More lean muscle. Feel and be your best in three, two, one. Today's podcast is sponsored by Full Script. Go to the website, get 10% off. It's the safest source for practitioner-grade supplements. Go there now. Um, obviously, you focus a lot on, on doing things to boost testosterone, Dr. Chad. So this is one of those things, one of those tools that can be very helpful and beneficial in doing that. Hey, guys. Dr. Chad here. I'm so excited to bring you a colleague of mine, Dr. Nick Ellenson. He is an expert in intermittent fasting. By doing this, you can increase your testosterone levels without the use of gels or injections. So, without further ado, Dr. Nick. Dr. Nick, how's it going? Welcome to the show. It's going awesome, Dr. Chad. It's a pleasure to be uh, on your show today. Uh, thanks for being here. Uh, it's good to see your face. Yes, yes. It's good to see you too. You're, uh, you're all clean shaven. Yeah, right, I'm all clean shaven now. So half my videos have a beard and half my videos don't. So it's kind of funny. Yeah. From Dr. Chad's. Yeah, you just never know who you're going to get. <laughs> Cool. Well, yeah. Well, thanks for being on the show. I mean, uh, for everybody who's listening to, we're going to have a good time. Uh, really, what we wanted to talk about is, is intermittent fasting. And, and Dr. Nick, you're just you're a health expert, natural health expert. Um, you work with a lot of clients uh, virtually from all over the world. Um, you talk a lot about lines, talk, talk a lot about parasites, but um, you are extremely knowledgeable in intermittent fasting. And so I just wanted to connect the two dots with testosterone and show how uh, our audience here uh, can increase their testosterone naturally rather than doing gels and injections. Um, and a lot of that you can do through intermittent fasting. So, um, yeah, why don't you tell me what uh, intermittent fasting is? Yeah, so intermittent fasting, it's basically more of a style of eating versus uh, trying to cut stuff out and, and, and just really changing things um, as far as um, – um, I guess, I mean, well, I guess to some extent you're changing what you're eating too. You, you of course want to be putting good food in your body, but when you're looking at intermittent fasting. Uh, I like it at it as it's the time at which you're eating foods. It's definitely that you do not want to skimp on calories, the whole, uh, robbing Peter to pay Paul to, um, way of calorie restriction, so it's not a calorie restriction way of eating. It's more of a time frame of which you're eating. So it's just shortening that overall window in which you're eating your food and you're getting a longer fasting period. So what that looks like for somebody who's maybe first starting out, it'd be more of a 16-hour uh, fasting period and an eight-hour window at which you're eating food. Uh, or, and for somebody who's more dialed in and been doing it for a while, I mean, you can get by with a six or even a four hour window of which you're shortening your, your time that you're eating food. And one of the big things is, again, you're eating the same amount of calories. You're not, you're not skimping or calorie restricting on this. Otherwise, you're going to start going some of the other way on some of the benefits that you get from intermittent fasting. So if you're just eating in that window, uh, what are you what are you doing during the fasting time? Are you water or nothing at all? Yeah, during the fasted period, 
Um, I mean, there's a couple couple ways of thinking. I mean, if you're a fasting purist, that would be pretty much just water. It's really keeping it super simple, super basic. Um, I mean, there's some other ways you can kind of um, uh, work up to doing even more of like the hardcore, just water. You could do something like, um, so Dave Asprey, who's popularized Bulletproof Coffee, where you're putting some butter and MCT or coconut oil in some organic coffee, blending it up, and you're getting lots of good healthy fats with doing something like that that isn't going to have a big glycemic spike. So you're going to be able to stay in fasting or that fasted state. You're able to, but able to stay in that fasted state even longer because um, you're, you're, I mean, you're still giving your body some calories. It's a way to retrain your body to be more of a fat burner. And I mean, that's definitely one of the great benefits of intermittent fasting is it does retrain your body to be more of a fat burner versus somebody who's a sugar burner who has to eat every couple hours to keep their energy levels up. It's kind of that roller coaster ride where you eat and crash, eat and crash. So, um, so as far as eating um, or drinking things, so water would definitely be kind of the most intense doing some like tea or coffee, black coffee. Um, I think you can buy with some of that because again, it's not going to have a glycemic spike to it. Uh, bulletproof coffee. I see that as being a great kind of transition or if you're not a coffee drinker, you can do like the bulletproof tea, some green tea and butter and MCT oil. Um, I like to add a little bit of cinnamon just for some extra little flavor with when I do that option. Um, so I will do something like bulletproof coffee or bulletproof tea, um, but there's definitely days where I'll do strict where or keep it more strict where I'll just do water throughout that fasted period in the morning. So, so with intermittent fasting, what seems to work the best is to essentially skip breakfast. So, um, I mean, say you're eating at 6 p.m. at night and that's your last meal of the day and um, then you've got that time period so say you go to bed at 10 or 11 o'clock so you're in that fasted period from 10 to 11 and then a bulk of that fasted period you're going to be sleeping which makes it super easy not to not to be wanting to eat and then so you wake up seven eight o'clock and then you just have to go that remaining time period so you're eating at noon so this would be kind of that six-hour window of eating, um, just kind of walking you through what a day would look like. So then at noon, and that's when you would finally eat because the, the term breakfast insinuates that we're all fasting at some point. It's whenever you break your fast is when you have breakfast. So it's just, again, pushing that back uh, a little bit. So, um, so yeah, in the morning, I mean, that's usually the toughest time for people since it's already been 12 plus hours that you've already been fasting. So it's that next few hours where doing some water, some coffee, some bone broth, um, um, bulletproof coffee, something like that, just to help get you by until you eat your first meal. Yeah, so I typically <clears throat> hear from a lot of people like, well, why would you skip breakfast? That's the most important meal of the, of the day, right? Do you hear that a lot? 
Yeah. Right? yeah no. Intermittent fasting just kind of blows that whole theory out of the water. I mean, I think there's, there's definitely a time and place for doing that, but then I feel like there's a time and place for doing something like intermittent fasting. And, and, and really, if you look at what we eat typically for breakfast, it's, it's pure sugar. <laughs> starting your day off with a, you know, a couple cups of sugar, you know, and you wonder why your energy just crashes. Uh, my, my, uh, my professor uh, was talking about like paleo and stuff like that and how, um, you know, the, our paleolithic ancestors, the first thing they would do is, you know, make a, you know, bunch of pancakes and, and drink some orange juice. And then, then they would go out into the, the, the forest and, and hunt them their, their food. Well, you don't, if, if you don't have your food, if you haven't hunted your food, you're, you haven't, you're not eating. Right. So you're not necessarily like our ancestors didn't have, the luxury of having breakfast so it was always a fasting period until they got food yeah right? so it was just they weren't always able to go to the fridge and grab some yeah they go they had to go hunt it down right so, exactly yeah i mean this is something that's been practiced essentially without really having a term for it back thousands of years ago this is just their natural way of of doing things yeah breaking your fast exactly so, um, so what, what would be, uh, like your typical day? Like, like you, you're, you're like basically, you're not a second shifter or a third shifter. Like, like you wake up, work out before you break your fast or are you just drinking water when you wake up? What's, what's your typical day? Yeah. So like a typical day, um, wake up, um, I, I'm, I like to exercise in the morning um, just because it, part of it is, is I like to get it in and get it done. And then I don't have to worry about doing it later on in the day where maybe hungry or tired at that time. And, and it may get pushed to the side, but I found that if I get it in right away, um, then, then it gets done. Um, so I like to work out. So depending on the day, <clears throat> I may do just keep it super simple, just water. Some days I will do like a bulletproof coffee. Um, so if I want to, if it's a busier day where um, where I may even extend the fast to a longer period, so like a um, where I may do like a four-hour window um, where I might have a bunch of calls or client calls, um, and I'll extend, uh, be able to extend it a little bit longer with doing something like a bulletproof coffee. Um, and then I'll eat, it varies anywhere from noon to middle of the afternoon when I get my first meal. Some, again, sometimes I may extend it where I only do one meal a day. Um, on, and it just kind of naturally comes to that one with like super busy days where I just purely don't have enough time to eat. Um, and it just works out to be a good, good almost uh, fasting day or may turn into like a 24 hour fast. Um, I will do that a couple times a week. It, it just kind of turns out that way. Um, so I'll eat. And again, when you're eating, um, eating for, or eating and doing intermittent fasting, I mean, just in general, as you're eating, um, when I break my fast, I mean, I keep it super healthy, super nutrient dense foods. 
So for like a lunch, I may do some eggs and some turkey or chicken sausages with some avocados. So good, good healthy fats, good proteins. Um, I try to keep the carbohydrate on the lower side. Um, so getting good carbohydrates, leafy greens, some keeping the glycemic index low with some berries or Granny Smith apples, lemons, limes. Um, and then as far as like veggies, I like sticking to the lower glycemic index veggies. I'll do, of course, some starchier ones like sweet potatoes or carrots, but really try to focus more on the lower glycemic index fruit and uh, fruits and veggies. Um, and then, um, so that would be like an example of lunch. And then I may have a snack where might be some bone broth or bone broth smoothie with some greens powder, um, like an apple with some nut butter. Because um, if you're trying to shorten your, your calories, depending on the size of person, you may need to have a, almost a third meal within that shorter time frame or even a snack in there just to keep the calorie count up. And then for supper, supper is usually one of my bigger meals. Um, and in the body, I mean, when you look at the body, it is in more of that absorptive mode at night. Um, so you're going to be absorbing lots of nutrients and then in the morning, it's in more of that expelling mode. So it kind of almost goes along with how the doing some fasting, because if you're trying to eat lots of calories in the morning, you're kind of doing opposite of what the, the body's natural rhythm and cycles are going through. Um, and then once I eat, then, then it goes in back into fasting mode. And then I usually don't eat again until the next lunch. So how do you, how do you get through the mindset of, of say you're, you're in your fasting and you, and you're hungry and you want to eat something of what, what is, what's the trigger? Do you replace it with something? Do you, are you just so strong willed that it doesn't bother you? Yeah, it's one of those things, of course, there's going to be a transition time to getting used to that. So, I mean, that's where something like in the morning, having having something like a bulletproof coffee or even doing like a scoop of coconut oil or ghee, where you're getting some good healthy fats where it might carb some of that, um, that hunger pangs that you may get in the morning. Um, also, um, I always have water with me and that definitely helps a lot as far as um, chasing away some of those hunger pangs that you may be getting. Even putting a little sea salt in there can be very helpful too with that transition period. Do you have uh, any suggestions for, for those out there who are starting this and they're starving in the morning and they're just embarrassed because you know, the person next to them is hearing their stomach rumble the whole time? Do you have any suggestions for that? Yeah, I mean, that's where just kind of drawing that proverbial line in the sand and, and, and sticking with it. Um, and, and when somebody's first starting to do this, I mean, it's not something that I would recommend doing it every day. I would maybe start with once, twice a week, and then, of course, building up from there. Um, so it, it makes it not quite so uh, un intense that you have to do it every day. It's just, okay, this morning, this Wednesday uh, is going to be my day to fast. Um, and I think just being mentally prepared is, is definitely huge. Um, knowing that it's just one day this week that I'm doing this, 
And then, like I said, as you, as you keep doing it, your body just gets more and more adapted to doing it. And then those hunger pangs and, and things go away and, and you're able to you get men, more mentally tough as well. Sure. No, I, I like that. I like that. Um, <clears throat> for, for me, at least if, if, if I, if I embarrass myself or something like that, I just like to call it out on myself. You know what I mean? Like it makes it a lot easier if you try to hide it, you know, it makes it worse. Definitely. So, yeah. I would just suggest telling, telling the person next to you that I'm, you're going through this and you're going to hear my stomach and, and laugh about it. Right. Mm-hmm. So I've, I've had to do that a couple of times. Like, Oh, sorry. Intermittent fasting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Cool. Um, yeah. How would, <clears throat> would you always suggest someone start off with the, with eight hours or suggest someone go right to four hours uh, for um, the eating period? Yeah, so I would, I would recommend starting with the um, least intense and then you, of course you can work up to more intense as the body just gets more adapted at it, you get used to it better, you get better at doing this. So starting with the eight hour um, time frame at which you're eating, so that means about a 16 hour time frame which you're fasting. So half of that you already should be sleeping. So there's eight hours and if you think about you're splitting that up, uh, four hours roughly when you're in the evening, which you had just eaten. So that one's usually easy. It's usually just that morning period that can be the more challenging time. But um, And then that's, again, where it's beneficial to start with once a week or a couple times a week and building from there. And I mean, I've built up to now where I basically do it just about every day. Um, it might be like on a weekend where... I don't do it on a day where doing something at his family and having a family breakfast or something like that. Um, but yeah, otherwise I've, I've pretty much worked up to where that's what I do every day. And I've always kind of naturally been that way. I remember in high school, very rarely eating breakfast. So I've, I've kind of, it's kind of been an easy, easier transition for me. I've never really been a huge breakfast person, so it's kind of one of those kind of cool things you look at. Okay, I've already been doing this for a while. I can yeah. can do this. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Well, yeah, for those um, out there who um, are maybe still on the fence of trying this intermittent fasting, I've got a whole list of benefits here uh, for everybody. So um, just protects against uh, neurodegenerative diseases. Um, insulin levels drop um, and human growth hormone increases. Um, reduced insulin resistance and lower blood sugar, reduce a risk of heart disease, blood pressure, cholesterol, um, boost metabolism, life ex- expectancy or uh, lifespan goes up uh, so you live health- healthy and longer, um, reduces oxidative damage and inflammation, reduces waste material, um, and then reduces uh, leptin levels, um, and a side effect helping increase testosterone. So um, those are some great benefits and you would instead of running out to you know whatever fad diets out there i mean this you're already set up with it you know so um, intermittent fasting is already at your disposal and for those list of benefits i mean i would say everybody give it a try give it give it one day um but i really want to hit on that last one more here so just talking about um, reducing the leptin levels um, and increasing the testosterone so i'm really looking at the insulin sensitivity out there so can you expand on that 
Yeah, the I see that as being um, obviously you focus a lot on on doing things to boost testosterone, Dr. Chad. So this is one of those things, one of those tools that can be very helpful and beneficial in doing that. So with um, and and I mean even this the the diet component too is is huge for this because. When somebody's eating lots of grains, lots of sugars, because grains are, I consider those super sugars because they turn into sugar eventually. And so when somebody eats that high, high intake of sugar, sugary foods, processed foods, that's going to raise insulin levels. And there's been study done, studies done where there's that direct correlation with as insulin levels increase, your testosterone levels will definitely decrease. So it's kind of a, a twofold thing. Obviously, you're cleaning up diet, you're cutting out a lot of those um, bad sources of carbohydrates, the grains, the the processed sugars, um, and sticking more to the natural things like fruits and veggies. And as you cut that out and then even throwing something like intermittent fasting into the mix where that's just going to be another tool, um, as I mentioned earlier, you, it's something that can help with stimulating the body to be more of a fat burner versus a sugar burner. So when somebody's more of a fat burner, that's going to stabilize their insulin levels and in insulin sensitivity, the body's ability to utilize insulin and um, clearing out those excess sugars. That's what insulin's job is, is to bring sugars into the cells. And so it's when it's bombarded with sugars, it's not able to do that effectively or efficiently. And so that's definitely one of those big direct links is um, cutting out grains, sugars, improving insulin sensitivities, and then throwing in something like um, um, intermittent fasting as a tool to help with speeding that process up of improving insulin sensitivity. Therefore, you're going to get that testosterone boosting effect. And then the other, the other one that you hear a lot about as far as hormones is human growth hormone. You, you hear about all the athletes, professional athletes getting in trouble with uh, human growth hormones and testosterone and your body, you know, there's, there's one way, effective way to increase your human growth hormones, uh, and that would be intermittent fasting. They've actually done studies where in men, when they intermittent fast, it actually increases their body production of human growth hormone by over 2,000%. That's a two and a thousand, so 2,000%. So that's a huge increase. Um, and that's just by intermittent fasting. And then, and you you even combine intermittent fasting and exercising, even in that fasted state, you're going to get a even greater boost of human growth hormone. So it's uh, it's pretty powerful um, the effects that you can get with intermittent fasting and and even hormones. And you mentioned leptin too. Uh, so leptin is the the hormone that, that lets you know when you're hungry, ghrelin is kind of the opposite of that one too. Ghrelin uh, um, lets you know when you're hungry. And when you're eating a standard American diet, those hormones get all messed up. So it's just another way, intermittent fasting is just another way to help with 
improving the um, how those hormones are actually working in the body. Yeah, after hearing that, it's like, you know, why not? You know, why not do the intermittent fasting? It's just it's got so many benefits to it. Yep. Everybody keeps complaining about the same thing. They've, you know, they're, they're fatigued, they're overweight, they they can't get anywhere, they got brain fog, and like this stuff just clears it all up. So just you you, you got to be responsible for your own health, you know? Exactly. Take take that step forward, but. Um, one thing that I know is, is, uh, with like toxicity out there. So fat cells love to store a lot of our toxins and that, you know, really messes with our hormone imbalancing. Um, can you expand on just being able to detox heavy metals, be able to balance the hormones that way? Yeah, that's, uh, I mean, that's a, a big thing that I personally help coach people through is how to properly detox and how to detox heavy metals. Um, in particular, I see the heavy metal side being such a big, big issue with a lot of people, especially when they're struggling with health issues or hormone issues. Um, just because it's, it's such a, it's one of those things that has such uh, multiple areas of effect in multiple, um, or has an effect in multiple areas in the body. So obviously hormones, it can, um, heavy metals can affect the gut, the immune system, the brain and nervous system. So really a lot of big systems get affected by heavy metals and where hormones and heavy metals come into play. So again, looking at testosterone, one of the, the big ones, or I would say the, the top three heavy metals that I see problematic, and I mean, there's multiple heavy metals, but the top three, I would say mercury, aluminum, and lead. And lead, lead a lot of times is referred to as the generational curse, where you can get lead passed from mom to baby and um it can be passed up to four generations and i've even heard up to seven so it gets passed from from multiple generations uh through pregnancy and one of the main times or or there's a couple main times when lead in particular can be stirred up so puberty uh for females pregnancy and then um males females again later in life where Females go through menopause, males go through something similar uh, called andropause. So when there's those big hormonal changes, um, what will happen is you'll see lots of demineralization and remineralization of bones, and that's where lead likes to be stored is in bones. So during those times, there's more lead that's floating around. With mercury, mercury, I see having uh, a definitely a big impact in terms of hormones because mercury probably one of the biggest sources of uh, mercury exposure toxicity is from from our teeth from amalgam fillings and the i think part of it is just the, the close proximity with the heavy metals and in our brain and, and hormones and how those are so such inter, interconnected is that hypothalamus pituitary um, that's where mercury likes to be stored. And so with the, so the kind of the, the big process with hormone production, it goes from the hypothalamus to the pituitary 
and then go saw the endocrine glands, so the thyroid, the adrenals, the ovaries, testes. So it's one of those big upstream sources or causes as to why a lot of times people have underlying hormone issues. So, um, those, so there's, there's a couple of things in that, getting heavy metals out. Obviously, you want to make sure you're doing it properly. So definitely always recommend having somebody coach you through the process of heavy metal detox because there's definitely some important steps that you want to go through. First one is, is making sure that you're removing the sources or sources from the body of heavy metals. Again, probably one of the biggest ones is the Melbourne fillings. So that's where you want to find a biological dentist who is going to take the proper steps with um, removing the heavy metals because the whole goal with that is to minimize the, um, minimize the exposure that somebody may get from mercury in this case or any other heavy metals that may be in the amalgams. Um, so doing that properly and then it's detoxing the body and there's, there's many ways to detox or chelate heavy metals from the body and it's not always a, a super fast process and I would say that you, you don't want this to be a fast process otherwise you're going to definitely give yourself a lot of symptoms. So low and slow is kind of the mantra of how I like to look at detoxing heavy metals um so that's again it's definitely a very complicated topic and want to make sure that you're coaching somebody or coaching with somebody who's going to make sure you're doing it properly um but it's definitely one of those big game-changing things in terms of hormones and the immune system and the nervous system uh, so so yeah looking at any possible sources of heavy metal toxicity is it's huge. Awesome, Dr. Nick. I mean, you're, you're just a wealth of knowledge there, buddy. <laughs> Thank you. It's really, I mean, I mean, just, just what we've gone over today, I mean, it's, it's enough for people to, you know, take notes, you know, probably a, a good 10, 10, 20 pages already at this point. So I don't want to overwhelm people too much, but I think this, this is a uh, great for people to start working on at this point. Um, so it, as everybody's listening today, I mean, you're welcome to go back and re-listen to this thing over and over and over and get down every single detail. Um, you can check out uh, Dr. Nick at drnickellinson.com, right? That's correct. L-L, how do you spell that for me? So D-R-N-I-C-K-E-L-L-E-N-S-O-N. Perfect. Um, yeah, check out Dr. Nick on the website there. And um, yeah, if there's a... Anybody that, that is listening who's struggling with limes or thinking that they've got a parasite or something like that, <laughs> I want you guys to give Dr. Nick a, a call. Um, he has applications on his website to become a client of his. And um, Dr. Nick, thank you so much for being on the show today. I, I appreciate everything that you do. Yes, it's uh, been a pleasure, Dr. Chad. Always good yeah. to get together with you and chat about health stuff. That's right. That's what we do. Yes. <laughs> That's a, I think that's the only thing we've ever talked about is health. Yeah, health and uh, and and sailing. I know you're yeah. big into sailing. Wow, exactly. <laughs> cool, man. I appreciate everything. Um, we'll uh, we'll keep you in touch, and uh, maybe someday we'll bring you back uh, for for part two. Yes, that'd be awesome.